on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC, Eddie Radosevich joins us to preview the Masters. We dive into all the storylines at Augusta National with Eddie, the course conditions, DeChambeau, Spieth, Kepka's knee, and much more. We continue our breakdown of OU's roster by looking at the outside linebackers and defensive ends, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Gonzaga is one of our losers, so we talk about the beatdown that Baylor gave him there. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Oh, man, Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Thursday, April 8th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iger and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC Difference Program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor, and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit MetroFordofOKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get on the podcast. And we've got Eddie Radosevich previewing the Masters, Ted. Eddie's the man. He's so fun to listen to. Uh, Great sense of humor. Tells it like it is. Uh, he's so fun, man. Awesome stuff. He's he's the best, and he was a he, he was a guy a couple people requested. So I said, you know what? I'm pretty sure we can get our man Eddie Ratto, and it, it, it's really fun. You guys will enjoy that. Okay, Ted, let's continue our breakdown of OU's roster. Let's get right to it. And on this episode, we're doing the outside linebackers, DN slash edge players. I don't know what to call any of these guys. Like the positions, that may have been the hardest part. You and I were texting back and forth about this. Like, okay, does this guy belong in this conversation? Because we're also going to have a D-line conversation, which I think we're thinking of more like the interior type guys. So what do we call these human beings? Edge players, outside linebackers? Like, Well, in my opinion, they're defensive ends. Like the hand down guys, the defensive end, 
the rush linebacker, as we call him in this defense, or the outside linebacker, the stand-up guy, he's just a defensive end that's standing up. There is no difference. He's a defensive end. He'll drop sometimes just like defensive ends will drop in, in an old zone blitz, 4-3 scheme. It's the same exact thing. So I know they're labeled different. They've got a little bit different body type on there, but to me, they're, they're both defensive ends. That defensive makes it a lot ends. easier. <laughs> We're talking defensive ends tonight, baby. Let's go. Okay, let's start with Nick Benito. High expectations for him this season. Very productive last season, but they are really looking for him to make a jump this year. He needs to become a dominant pass rusher, a guy that can win one-on-ones consistently. This is a guy they want to be a disruptive force for this defense. Sounds like he has had a great offseason. Sounds like his focus is a little more enhanced. And as one of the offensive coaches put it to me, well, Benito is really hard to block. If you want to have any type of trait uh, on defense, I suggest you pick – uh, being hard to block. Uh, that's a good one. I think I think Benito has had a, a really strong career. Last year was his best year. And quite frankly, I, I thought he started slow. And this isn't a knock on Benito. It's just that I I have very high expectations for him. I think I think this coming season can be way better than last year's was. And I don't want to diminish anything that he did. It was a good season, but he's got the tools to be excellent. He's got the tools to lead the conference in TFLs and sacks. And I think he's going to be right there. I think his best asset is he's got a really good feel for the games that they run. You know, it's not just two guys crossing, right? There is, you, you've got to sell it. You, you've, you've got to have a little bit of style with how you run it in order to, to get the offensive line out of position to where they can't pass things off. And he's, he's got a really good knack for that. So I think they're going to build off that, but you hit on the main point. The NFL does not run a whole bunch of games. Whenever it's third down, you're getting a straight pass rush. They're going to let four guys go. It's going to be a straight pass rush. The NFL wants guys that can win one-on-ones against tackles, not beat the back, not run a game and come unblocked, a guy that can beat a tackle consistently. That doesn't mean you're always going to get a sack. doesn't mean you're always going to get a pressure or a hit on the quarterback, but you should be able to beat that tackle in one-on-ones. And I think that's what Benito really needs to work on. I think he can get stronger at the point of attack with his hands in the running game, but the one-on-one pass rush, it's me and their left tackle, the best player they've got. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about his hands at the point of attack, I think he can be better against the run. Right, and if he wants to be a guy that is in the conversation when it comes to the first round, the second round of the NFL draft, you have to become a more complete player, right? And and that is being able to play straight up, whether it's pass rush, just one-on-one situations, or playing offensive tackles 
you know, taking on run blocks one-on-one. And I know that they move a lot. I understand that. But he has to be able to show that he can do those things. And that's, that's just the truth. When you talk about being a high draft pick, you know, being a guy that is going to make millions of dollars, like that's, that's the expectation. So we'll see if he can get there. It sounds like he's having a really good start to spring ball though, Ted. No, and I I agree a hundred percent and we are, and this is a testament to Nick Benito. We're holding him to a standard of an NFL edge guy. You and I are. We're not holding him to the standard of, of being just a good college guy. I, this, We're holding him to the standard where, you know, in the NFL, you, you can't just be a speed rusher. You've got to be able to take a tackle and, and lock him out on, on a run and anchor down and hold point. So it, it, it's a tough job, but I think he's capable of it. I do. This is not meant to be, you know, a shot at Eric Stryker, but we saw what happened to him, right? He was a speed rusher, right? Undersized speed rusher. Nick Benito, it can't be that guy. He has to be a complete edge player. Mm -hmm. And that's dropping in coverage. That's rushing the passer. That's, you know, working on working off those games, like you're saying that they run a ton of, but that's holding the point in the run game, setting the edge. Like that's what it takes to be a first round draft pick. So he's got to continue to get better. I know a lot of people are talking about you know the pro football focus stuff and you know all his grades and those systems and and that's great. But the bottom line is. He's good right now, but he can be a lot better. And that starts with these reps in spring practice. I mean, I that, that's where it yeah. starts. I know I've said this before, and I, I again, I, I hold Nick Benito to a high standard because I think he's fantastic. But pro football focus had him as the, the best pass rusher in college football last year. If the NFL saw him as the best pass rusher in college football last year, he'd be a top 10 pick. He wouldn't be coming back to play another year. So there's, we've got a disconnect somewhere. Where is that? You know, and, and I think it's those tools being able to translate to the next level. And I think he's building on those. And like you said, this spring, the word is putting together a, a really nice, so far, a really nice off season. Yeah. Okay. Isaiah Thomas, we're going to group him in the defensive ends. Now, of course, he can do everything, but with some of the added depth there in the interior, he is going to get to focus on one position. How about that? I bet you that brings a little joy to his heart. In fact, he is playing exclusively defensive end in spring practice, and I think that's going to make him a lot more effective, Teddy, because it it was great that he was able to kick inside and help the defense out when they needed him to last year, like that's fantastic that he's got that versatility, but defensive end is where he belongs and it's where he's going to be the most productive. Yeah. He's got great length, great motor, really good set of skills. Um, here's what I love. We are now so deep at edge, both rush backer and defensive end. And he's able to kick out. We're deep on the interior, too, so he can focus on defensive end. But 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if a third down package, he slides down to like a three and whether it's Grimes or, uh, you know, Stripling or whoever else it is that stepped up their pass rush game that they can get not just their best edge guys and their best interior guys, but their best four pass rushers on third down and let those guys go out there and go to work. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that he'll, he'll definitely kick inside in some of those situations, believe me. Being in third and long and playing guard and all of a sudden you've got a really quick guy over you and you've got him man-to-man in the protection scheme, Yeah, not a great feeling. It's, no. it's not a great feeling. Whenever they know you've got a man-to-man and the center's going the other way, defensive linemen are smart. They know what's, how the protection okay, goes. Okay, let's calm down with defensive linemen are smart. <laughs> they're Go getting on. the signal in from the, the sideline. But there you go. whenever you're worried about that guy and like you got to really get back or whatever it is, that's when they hit you with the games. Yep. Right? They know that you're going to be worried about it and get you out of position on the other guy coming back in. A uh, young guy that is in early, a lot of people excited about him, Clayton Smith. Feels like the staff is trying to control expectations for this guy. He's got all the talent in the world, been told that he has shown some flashes of just how special he can be. Still needs to add strength, still needs to add some more weight, and he's certainly got the frame for it, but they think he's going to be a really, really good player. Now, it's not happening overnight, believe it or not. It actually takes reps in a defense, and he's showing little improvements each and every practice. But it just sounds like it's going to take him a little time. Here's one of the things we've got to get used to. It wasn't very long ago that a freshman could show up defensively and – look good as an early arrival and then look good in, in training camp. And it's like, wow, this freshman is, is really good. But now we're so deep. I mean, it's going to be hard to stand out at edge when you've got Benito there, when you've got stripling, uh, if you're putting your hand down, you've got Isaiah Thomas, you've got Reggie Grimes, you've got all of these guys that are playing such a good, high level of football. Don't expect a lot of guys just to show up and be sh- the, the best guy in the room. That's the, that should be rare, right? And you should be happy that it's rare. That means you've got good, deep talent on your football team. Here's the thing. You, you cannot, uh, if, if we're not hearing just amazing things about a kid that's an early arrival, I mean, Think about it. He should be in spring semester of his high school senior year right now. It's tough to be able to go out there. Uh, you're thrown into a new world and just, you know, show out. It, it's, it's not that easy. I'm not worried about it at all. If it takes a little bit longer, it takes a little bit longer. Some guys grab it fast. Some guys hit their level, uh, a good level of football really quickly, but they don't get much better than that, you know? Other guys start slow, but the ceiling is so high, it just takes a little bit longer to get there. I got no problem. What I start to worry about is if a guy upstairs just really isn't into it, is into other things, and 
you know, isn't focused on becoming a better player and isn't doing the things that the coach asked of him, that's whenever I would get word. And right now, that's not what I've been hearing. Right. Tell you mentioned Reggie Grimes. It sounds like this guy may be the most improved player in the entire room when it comes to the edge guys, but it also sounds like he may be the most improved player on the entire defense. Now he's a massive dude. Mm-hmm. And if he continues this level of improvement, it sounds like he's really put together a, a string of good practices. He should be a big factor for this team. You talk about size, speed, strength. Like this guy looks the damn part. I'll tell you what's interesting. And, you know, this is just kind of my experience. Whenever you're, whenever you're a backup guy or you're down the, the depth chart a little bit, it's it, number one. It's not a whole lot of fun. Uh, football practice isn't a whole lot of fun. <laughs> My entire uh, NFL career, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, you you don't play very much. Whenever you're in meetings and you're watching practice and stuff, you spend a ton of time in that dark room. And if you're never up there on film, it's easy to zone off and to not be that locked in. But whenever you start to find yourself always on the film. Uh, always on the field, being a part of what's going on, being in the action. Sometimes whenever that happens and you get some good continuity and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're not just a guy in the back of the line in drills. You can step up there and have a little bit of, of say so as to what's going on. Some guys just, boom, they come to life. You know, and it's it, you see this personality and you see this confidence just all of a sudden start shining through and guys stop worrying and stressing over the six reps that they're going to get that day and, and that they have to be perfect. And you just go out and you play football and use your athleticism. And it sounds like Reggie Grimes this spring is starting to have one of those types of, uh, of off seasons. Where he's just like, Oh, I am pretty good at this. This is way more just fun. Go. Just play football, baby. Let's go. So Marcus Stripling and now out there with Jamar Kane. He sounds like he's settling in nicely. Now they're just trying to figure out kind of where he fits in, in this group. And, you know, we heard them talk about, they realized that he was kind of maxed out weight wise. So he's a big athletic dude. So they're going to try him out on the edge. And I, I just don't know when you look at the depth, you look at guys that have been in that room longer where Marcus Stripling factors in because it seems like he's got some of the physical tools. Now it's all about reps and kind of understanding how different the game is out there on the edge. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, it's hard to think uh, for a defensive lineman, but you know, whenever you're in a three technique or you're in a, uh, a nose you're kind of, you're right in the heart of things. It's it's hard to see. It's hard to get a real feel for things. Um, maybe to know where the football is. And you've got your area where you're keying through a guy. You're not just uh, guessing out there. But you know, whenever you get out on the edge, at least for me at linebacker, whenever you're playing outside linebacker, it's so much easier to maintain your leverage, um, to to kind of know what your responsibility is, and and have a better feeling of how to. Uh, handle that responsibility. I got to think it's the same thing for a defensive end or a defensive lineman that's moving to the outside. Okay, here's my guy. 
I'm the edge. I don't have to worry as much about a down block or a, a trap block or some of these things. I can really just focus on my technique, uh, my position, my responsibility. And I, I, I think that he should thrive in that spot, but we'll see. I mean, j- just like any of the other spots across the defensive line, it's going to be hard to find reps, man. Everyone's playing well. Everyone has raised their level of play. That's good to hear. It's fun to hear because that defensive line was so much fun to watch last year. And, you know, you lose Ronnie Perkins and maybe you're a little worried, but it, yeah, that it, it sounds like they feel really good about the depth. Okay. A couple more guys, uh, Nathan Rollins, Cabange. I think I'm saying that, that right. That's how I was told to say it on the signing day special. So I'm going to roll with that still Ted, but that one, that's one of those that could change three or four times by the time he's done here. It'll be like uh, Dylan. It'll be like uh, Dylan Famatau. It changed. It literally changed three times when he was right. there. We were told to say it differently three different times. But you look at Rollins Cabanch. Let's just go with all NRK. That's a cool nickname, NRK. Raw, right? Had athleticism, long, athletic guy, and from. What I'm being told is just all about, hey, technique, 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 and just got to learn some of the ins and outs of the game of football, right? Hasn't played a lot of football. So it's about teaching him the technique, the mechanics, how to use those long levers that he's got to his full advantage. I, I am usually in the camp that, it's a good thing that he hasn't played football. You, and I don't know how it was for you. You didn't play much. You didn't, you didn't play any offensive line in high school, right? Was it all tight end? All tight end, baby. Athlete. We spend most of our lives learning mostly improper technique, sometimes just different technique than you're going to use in college. So, some kids start in the third grade. They learn to play football. They're carrying a bunch of heavy pads. They don't have strong enough legs to play in a bent knee position. So a bunch of kids run around out there with stiff, straight legs, okay? And that's how you learn it. That's how your muscle memory learns it. And we spend the rest of our lives as football players trying to learn how to play low. Um, and that's just one example. So you've got a guy that doesn't have – He's not coming to college with 15 years of muscle memory, learning techniques that he's not going to use in college. He's really raw and he can learn it the right way from the ground up. Now it's going to be slow in the beginning, but I feel like these guys uh, that have that natural ability, but haven't had a whole lot of coaching are going to get all of their coaching be at a top level which means to me the ceiling is going to end up being really high. Yeah, that's that's what they're hoping. I mean, you look at the kid, what, 6'5", already just a hair under 250 pounds. So we'll see. Seems more like it. I know the word project has negative connotation for some reason when it comes to football players, but uh, I, I feel he's kind of a project for Jamar Kane. But the athleticism, right, the, law, the raw athleticism, the length, is there. So it's up to Kane to kind of mold him in that defensive end outside linebacker role. I said your favorite for last, actually you and I both love Brendan Walker. 
and I, I will not lie, he's probably the number one player on the roster I want to see succeed because he went to Bishop McGinnis just like I did. He's an awesome kid, but man, just needs to get healthy. Got it's had some bad luck, right? Started in the bowl game and still is affecting him. So, yeah, that's that's his goal for spring. Just get right, and if he can, I think he can be a good rotational piece for this team. I think he's a great locker room guy, right? Good character guy, and a hell of a special teams player. So he's a winning player. So I. I just hope that he can get right. No, I agree 100%. Great motor, smart kid, wants to be a good football player, listens to uh, his coaches and, and improves. But, you know, here's here's the the sad reality, and I'm not saying this is a threat of happening, but it's just this is how it goes. We're always moving forward. The program is always going, and – you just can't miss extended time and you can't miss, you can't get out of the coach's mind to where they're focused elsewhere and be a forgotten guy, you know, cause once you get out of that circle, it's hard to climb your way back in. And whenever you can't get in, you lose focus. It's just, he needs to get healthy. I feel like he will and just get back out there on the field. And cause if he's healthy, he's a factor. Right, just because of how big and physical, fast he is, and has just a, a tremendous motor, good special teams player, just got to get healthy and stay out there. And I, I think he's going to be a really good contributor here. Ethan Downs, I've seen some videos. Kid's strong, mm-hmm. certainly physical. Now he's a little rigid, I'd say. You know, out there at outside linebacker but they're really working on his flexibility, loosening up a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how big he gets with, you know, kind of, I mean, I'm interested to see what kind of weight he adds over the next year or two, but all the talk about this kid is that he cares a lot. And if there's one thing I want to hear about a young player, it's that he cares. When you have that figured out as a true freshman, you know, an early enrollee, that's going to take him a long way. So when I'm talking to the coaches and the first thing one of them says is, that kid cares a whole lot, I was pretty excited about that. I was like, okay, well, then I feel like he'll be fine. Well, I feel like you, you need to start right there and develop everything else because – as much as coaches will try and as much as mentors will try and as much as talking to former players and people around the program and everyone telling you, you got so much potential. You've got so much. If you just focused, if you just did the little things, if you just did the details that everyone's pampering you all along, they never care. They'll never care. But whenever you show up and maybe you don't have everything right out of the gate, but you care a lot, that's the best way to start, man, because you can develop everything else. With the strength and conditioning program, with top-notch coaching, uh, the diet, the meal plan, you have everything else. If you just show up 
and care very deeply about being a great football player, it's almost impossible for it not to happen where they're at. That's at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Now, every now and then a rare guy comes through that has it all like a Kenneth Murray that has every tool in the book, wants to be great, cares. His whole day is about being great, smart, will do anything a coach tells him to. Those guys are rare, but you got to start with that want to. And that's, that's what I love to hear. And he's going to be rigid, man. Whenever you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're all tensed up and you're worried. Am I going to be in the wrong spot? And the more you're around, the more plays you make, the more comfortable you are in your position, you loosen up, you slow down a little bit, you relax out there, and you actually end up being a way faster, sharper player. Yeah. Okay, for our call your shot question, asked the listeners what outside linebacker slash edge slash whatever the hell we're calling these humans, defensive ends, they were excited about. Cade Shurman, 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 I think I said that right, said Reggie Grimes is a monster of a man. We see that five-star talent all year long this year. He becomes a major role player in the rotation. I think you and I both agree with that. Ted, I think he is he is definitely on that track. Nathan Mangrum on Twitter says, Benito, he's going to be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. That's high expectation. He could do that, though, right? Uh, Got to lead yeah. the league in sacks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's possible. Sure. Um, I, I, he should lead the league in sacks, I think, coming back next year. Right? Would you ha- would you have anyone else just right now that you can think of? No, McDonald's back at Iowa State. Uh, he's a really good player. Yeah, he's not going to have Bailey to draw attention away from him. Yeah, I mean, he is. He impressed me in person. I, I thought he was he was quicker and more explosive than I thought he was when we saw him in that Big Twelve Championship game. Pretty impressive. But yeah, I, I would say those two guys really right. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be the favorites to lead the league in sacks. And usually if you lead the league in sacks, you're in a good spot to be Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Last one, K. Rich on Twitter says, Clayton Smith playing opposite of Nick Benito in third in deep situations will lead to a lot of one-on-ones, and Coach Kane will be licking his chops. He could be if – and remember, he's just a true freshman, but he could be a guy if he's that good just – when it comes to rushing the passer, yeah, that's that's how he could find himself on the field a lot in those third and long situations where he's going to have some one-on-ones. And if he can go win those, then hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Here's the thing. You know, I, I know it sounded like maybe it's been uh, a little bit of a work in progress early on, but, dude, we're a long way away from playing football, man. The kid Long is way. what seven, eight practices in, and I know that maybe it, it's it's been a little bit difficult getting up to speed right now. But he's but, a five star. He's a five star. Well, you know, in the dog days of training camp, and you're out there every single day. That's whenever you can make some really good strides. So, uh, I'm I've still got the door open for him to, you know the light switch to come on a little bit, relax out there, start to understand the defense. It's a lot, dude, as a young, young guy coming in and being expected to know everything defensively right away. It's a lot. So 
I'm not too concerned about it. Okay, let's preview the Masters with our man, Eddie Radosovich. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma. Really? (laughs) Goodness. Based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And guys, spring is here, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate, and on the golf course. It is a perfect golf course drink. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. Okay, here's Eddie Radosovich. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that is a member of Soonerscoop.com. He is also one of the members of the Franchise Morning Show, and he is the founder of the Horns Up. Horns Up for Peace Movement? That's right. Horns Up for Peace Movement. That's right. Right? Absolutely right. It's Eddie Radosovich. It's Eddie Radosovich. Eddie, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? How are we? Is you this know, your favorite week of the year? Uh, I, I would say yes, probably so. I mean, it's either this or OU Texas. And usually, I mean, it was, I guess, last fall you got them both in the same season. But this is probably the, my favorite week of the year. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Before we talk about this year's tournament and kind of some of the big storylines, Eddie, you have been to the Masters. Yes. And people make it sound like it's some transcendent experience like there's nothing else like it on the planet is this true it is i mean i i had a pretty good idea i've had a bunch of buddies that have gone out there and i went out there with mike steely too so like he kind of prepped me for it for about a month leading up to it but until you actually get to augusta you don't really have a good idea of what it is it's it because it's just so unassuming the town is and then you basically walk you know, about a mile, half a mile, mile in from uh, Washington Street right there. And uh, then it's just paradise. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's incredible. I, it's it's hard to describe uh, unless someone has been there. Just like, I mean, obviously, it's beautiful from what you see on television, from all the coverage that you see. But you don't really get a good grasp. And I think the most cliche thing is to say, like, the undulations of the green, how up and down it is, just how far downhill 11 is it's 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 incredible and i you know i i think it probably met the expectations and then times it by 10 it was just it, it's incredible i always i've got this conspiracy theory that there's some type of filter in the cameras because <laughs> there is not one blade of grass anywhere that is not the deepest most luscious green you could ever have is it really as green as it looks on tv 
Yeah, and, and the, like the crazy thing about it is, is the day that I went, I went on Wednesday of, and Thursday of 2019. So we got a practice round in, and then I basically spent the entire day there on Thursday in the uh, first round. And it actually rained on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It rained when we got there. It rained a little bit on uh, Thursday morning, and they moved the tee times back a little bit, uh, if I remember correctly. And even with all the rain, it was like you would expect if you walk out to the regular course, you know, you get mud everywhere. And they like have walking trails where you need to walk. And they basically put down this like manure that just basically takes all the wa- rainwater out of the course, uh, or at least the walkways. And so it was just, it was incredible. I mean, it, it really is impeccable. There's like places where you're like, can I even, you're, you're, it's almost nerve wracking because you don't want to ever be the guy that like, is in the wrong, in the wrong spot at the wrong time or getting in trouble with one of the, uh, with one of the security guards, one of the Pinkertons. So uh, it's, it's just incredible. And yeah, I mean, it was everything that I thought it was. And then some, just as far as the way that they have things manicured, the way that even though, I mean, the practice range, uh, they're just south of uh, the uh, media uh, building. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, that would be one of the nicest courses that you could possibly ever play. And that's just their practice facility. So it's uh it's, it's truly incredible. And then like, it's just, it's so big, I think was the, the uh, biggest thing that came off the page to me was just like from everything that you walk in, it is just acreages of land. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a special feeling when you walk in, it really is. It's kind of emotional in a like a really strange kind of weird way. Okay. Last stupid question about the masters for me. Now I say that that's probably not true, but the concessions, so much hype around the prices. It is great. I love the prices, yeah. but are are the food options any good at Augusta National? You're I mean, you're you're a food connoisseur. You you know your way around good food. I can eat I can eat good food. I will say I got to get this out of the like off the off the off the top. I'm not a pimento cheese fan. I didn't, I didn't even have I think one. It's disgusting, and I like everything. The, I like everything. I'll eat seafood. I, I'll try anything. There's not. It's the. It's like the one thing that I've ever tried that I don't like. Yeah, it, it's just not my gig. I I don't know what it is. So I went with the chicken sandwich a couple times. The barbecue is actually kind of surprisingly good. I don't know really what you expect uh, when you when you're going and buying a barbecue beef sandwich, but I, I thought it was pretty tasty. Uh, I actually got into Berkman's and it was you could eat anything that you wanted in there. We should have eaten crab legs, but we didn't. And uh, just got a burger and it was pretty good. So uh, the food's really good. I mean, the basic go-to meal is either a chicken sandwich or a barbecue sandwich, get a bag of uh, chips, maybe get a cookie and then uh, probably two beers and you're good to go. And you can get all that for like 12 bucks. Is it hard to follow? There's not a ton of people there like some tournaments, but, uh, I, I imagine that when someone gets a good spot, they don't give it up. Well, so yeah, that, that's the thing. Is like, to... that, that, that's the thing. It's like there's so many people that have their chairs that set out and everybody kind of, you know, follows the rules. Like nobody's stealing anybody's chairs. Nobody's stealing anybody's spots. And you get those people that have been basically badge holders for 20, 30 years. They'll actually pay people to go put their chair down and then they'll stroll in the names on the back. They'll stroll in whenever they want and they can just sit down and uh, everybody just kind of plays by the rules. But like 12, we basically spent on Thursday, most of our day at aiming corner. You can 
basically kind of there's a concession stand right behind 12 T from like where they would show uh, T shots going into 12 into the par three. There's a kind of a congregating area. And so you can kind of put yourself in that spot and you can watch shots coming into 11 from the left and then obviously 12. And you can even kind of see the guys back around uh, 12 green teeing off onto 13 onto the par five. And I don't like that was the other thing that really struck out to me was just how far back 13 tee boxes. And I know there's been some talk about Augusta buying the property behind 13 tee box, maybe push it back even more. But uh, it's it, you can also get into 16 and 17, sit right behind uh, basically where 16 tee boxes. You can watch shots into 15 green, the other part five, which mm-hmm. kind of gets exciting. And then uh, if you kind of stage yourself behind 16 green, you can watch tee shots off 17 as well. So, I mean, it's it's kind of beautiful the way that everything's set up because you can see multiple holes at one time. But, you know, the people that get close to the green or really close to the greens uh, to see shots in, it, it's kind of tough because there's so many people there. I can't imagine having the being on Amen Corner whenever Tiger won it last, watching all those guys hit it into the water before he got there. That would have been I mean, the just incredible scene ever. Just incredible. It would be. I mean that that's the theater moment. I think uh, if you if you think back to 2019, just as far as uh, you know, Molinari dumps it in, and then uh, Kepka had just gone through and dumped it in, and yeah, it, it's it's incredible. And the other crazy part about the whole experience is just the fact that you can't have your cell phone out there. So it's kind of like a step back in time. Nobody has a cell phone. Everybody's glued into what's going on. And then of course, like the Augusta roars or whatever, uh, that's kind of how, you know, how something is happening on the other side of the property. And then obviously when they flip the scorecard by hand, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It, it, It really is. And there wasn't a whole lot of that on Thursday just because it's so early in the tournament, but I can't imagine on Sunday when, you know, they're they're changing the uh, the score, the big scoreboard or one of the scoreboards uh, by the greens. And you can kind of see what's going on. I think that's the part that would probably, I guess, kind of, quote unquote, suck on a Sunday. Just the fact that you don't really know what's going on except for the stuff right in front of you. OK, so uh, I guess the national certainly was much different in November. Right. Yeah. For the 2020 absolutely. Masters. But I assume that they're going to want to make it a little more challenging after DJ went 20 under. So what's the report on the course and and kind of the setup, Eddie? Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like, I think the, the, I guess the cliche line coming out of Augusta this week is firm and fast. And I think it's going to make for kind of an interesting tournament. I think that, you know, you obviously, you look back at the last two tournaments, uh, they've, they've kind of torn the place up a little bit. And I think that, you know, with Bryson and what he's trying to do, uh, you know, obviously you got the comments from uh, Chairman Ridley on uh, Wednesday about, you know, how they're never going to stretch it to 8,000 yards, which is just astronomical thinking. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 it's definitely going to be tough. Uh, it's definitely going to be fast. enough. Fred Couples early in the week uh, talked about how it was probably some of the, uh, the hardest conditions that he's seen it. So I, I guess in kind of a way, I, I, I don't want to see like baked greens come the weekend and I don't think that they'd ever let it get there but I almost don't want it to rain on Thursday and Friday. I think there's a small percentage chance just for the fact that uh, I kind of want to see the best of the best and uh, of them go at it. And I think that, you know, if that does happen, you'll probably see a leaderboard come Saturday, Sunday, 
uh, that will give you, you know, kind of goosebumps just as far as guys that the elite of the elite being able to uh, go out there and play. And I imagine, you know, the, you can't lengthen the course. Um, I mean, they've got the ability to do what, what they, they need to do, but sure. whenever a guy comes in and is all of a sudden averaging like 350 yards of drive, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do except for make the risk, make you really think about it. And so my guess is what are they going to do with the rough? Would they, would they let the rough just kind of get absurdly tall? I've actually heard like this week that they're, they're saying, uh, and, and that's what you'll hear on the broadcast this week. They'll never call it the rough. They'll call it the, uh, the secondary cut, but mm. I've heard they've cut it down pretty far. So things are rolling out even more because it is so firm and it is so fast out there that I, it's going to be really interesting to see like the bombers and what they try to do because Bryce is going to try and overpower it. And, you know, I, I think that you look at what he's done in uh, his, his past experiences up there, never made a top 20 and it's almost like, you have to have a little bit of art in what you do and you can't overpower things because he is going to probably, uh, you know, I guess in a way, if things roll out, he's going to put himself with, uh, with, with wedges in his hand. And it's going to kind of be interesting to see, you know, how he, if, if he gets good lies out of the pine straw, uh, if he, you know, can't find fairways, I think things can become pretty rough. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the trouble that he's run into in past years, even going back to last year in 2019, when there were so many, so much focus on what he was going to do and he ends up finishing in 34th. So uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. I think that there's definitely a little uh, bit of a a cat and mouse game between uh, you know, the master's organization and the way that they're going to set everything up and uh, kind of what, with what Bryson wants to do. And I don't know. I know, I know you guys want to talk about him. I'm not the biggest Bryson DeChambeau fan, but I do appreciate what he's doing. It's funny you say that because, no Tiger Woods, right? Which yeah. going into the Masters, the story is always Tiger Woods. That's, I mean, that's just golf. It almost feels like DeChambeau's the big story. Going sure. to like we we all saw the clip of him hitting on the range in front of VJ Singh and him just standing there laughing his ass off. Like it feels, I, everyone has their opinion about DeChambeau, but it does kind of feel like he's good for golf in a weird way, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that he's kind of, you know, I was talking with uh, Hal Porter from CBS this morning about this, and he brought it up. It's a really good point in that, like, without Tiger there, and Tiger is the main attraction, the main draw, the needle, wherever he goes, Bryson's kind of, I, he, he hasn't fully put his foot uh, into those shoes, but he's definitely given people something to talk about. And, you know, I think particularly going into this weekend with, uh, you know, the comments that he made about the seven-foot golfer and how he thinks that could be, the next big wave of, of being able to overpower golf courses, it is kind of interesting. And then when you consider that he's only had five rounds under par in the 16 rounds that he's played, uh, it makes an interesting uh, kind of theater for what he's going to be, what he's going to try to be able to do. And then, you know, of course the other storylines going into this weekend is, uh, you know, I think Jordan Spieth is the one that kind of jumps off the page. He's improved his odds. Uh, back in February, he was like 60 to one. He's 10 to one going into this weekend, coming off of a Valero win, uh, you know, I, five top tens in his last seven starts. And, you know, not to mention a place that he's already won and a place that he probably could have more than one green jacket if things would have gone his way, uh, you know, back in uh, 2016. So I, it, it's going to be kind of fun to see where the storylines go this week, because without Tiger, it does feel like there's so many things out there 
You throw in John Rahm with uh, the kid and not having touched any clubs in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Rory going for uh, the career grand slam and his seventh opportunity to do that. Like it's, it's hard to imagine that Rory hasn't won a major since 2014. Uh, I believe when he won at congressional in uh, the U S open. So it's, it's going to be fun. I, there, there are so many storylines going into this one. Uh, you just hope that everything kind of comes together and they give us a good weekend. What is the deal with the Shambo and some secret club or whatever is going on? I halfway expect him to pull out a garden tool like <laughs> Tin Cup. I have no, what are we talking about? Some mysterious club. He, he wouldn't get be... into specifics. He wouldn't yeah. get into specifics. And that's, I think that's the thing that like I appreciate. Like I think he is a pretty smart guy, uh, obviously. I don't think that he's as smart as maybe he lets on to be. And I think it's a little bit of a game to him, but I do appreciate like, you know, using the 48 inch driver, like he did. Uh, I, I think, I guess I was last fall. Uh, it just, I have no idea what he's going to do. And, you know, I, I, he can pull anything out of his bag, but if he can't figure out a way to putt uh, at, uh, at Augusta, I think he's like 70th out of uh, 79 guys that have played at least 10 times uh, putting wise. Uh, and without the, you know, without the book and they don't let him have them out on the greens, it seems like he doesn't have much of an answer uh, for, for what he is being tasked to do. So I, I have no idea. I have no idea what he's going to do. And I think that that's why there is so much intrigue with, uh, with Bryson. He's just, he's just a, a weirdo. He's just, just a weird guy. Do, could you have, do you have any type of theory as to what the club is? Like he's going to have two drivers in the bag or you have no theory at all. I have no idea. Like I, 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 and he kind of led on at his press conference on, I think it was Tuesdays. Like my guys have been working on this for so long. I, I truly have no idea like what he could do. Cause there's, I mean, there's only so many like different ways that you can put like a, a shaft in a, uh, a, a head, the head of a club. Like I, I truly have no idea. I, I just can't stop thinking about Bryson DeChambeau on the first hole going up to the green and pulling out the Happy Gilmore hockey stick putter. God. And just being like, the secret weapon, ladies and gentlemen. What if, if he like did that, I'm afraid that driver. They... You know, he's <laughs> got this little bitty driver that he's hitting. <laughs> if he did that, I'm afraid that, like, Chairman Ridley would just tap him on the shoulder and then tell him, you got to go. Like, I was listening to the No Laying Up podcast, and they were talking about how he's trying to hit the ball over the media center, which is, I, I guess it's a carry of 360. And they were talking like back in, I think it was 2001, Tiger was trying to do the same thing at the time. And it, it, it wasn't 360, but it was closer. And they went up to Tiger. And this was like Tiger being Tiger at the time. They're like, Mr. Woods, you can't do that anymore. If you continue hitting the ball over the media center, we're going to ask you to leave. Like, it's just, it's a different world down there. Uh, and the way that the people kind of prounce around with their green jackets, it's, it's it's definitely some big dick energy. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. Okay, so Brooks Kepka, right? Doesn't look like he's getting along very well coming off the knee operation, right? Was well, it dislocated kneecap? He had the problem before that, but it doesn't sound like he's feeling very good. The way he was describing his knee, he was like, no, it's the brace. And then the lady was like asking to follow up. He was like, no, the brace is inside the knee it I was like wait what so I think he's like 28 to one do you think that uh, everyone knows that uh, I mean he's a gamer when it comes to majors but 
damn, it doesn't sound like he's feeling very good. No, and it's just like it, it's almost a situation of why are you playing? Like if if I, he can't walk, like I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures of him reading greens and like bending over to uh, Marcus Ball and stuff. He literally can't bend his right leg, and it is probably like. And I think that tour players are on record saying this that it is a tough place to walk. Like it's a tough place to walk just as a patron, let alone somebody that's playing. And I just if he makes the cut. I think that would be a win in itself. If he's in contention, the guy's super, and he's just inhuman. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane what he's being, I guess, asking himself to do. I, I don't know how he's going to be able to do it. I don't know how he's going to be able to hold up for four days. Uh, and especially if, you know, he's hitting the ball all over the place, but he says that he's hitting the ball well. So uh, if there's anybody that could pull it off, it's probably Brooks Kepka. I think he's running a little bit on adrenaline. It's almost like he doesn't want to, uh, like give an inch to Bryson uh, with their little feud. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny. He had a pretty good, he, at least his phone's working. He had a pretty good tweet the other day about the, uh, and I took it personally thing with uh, the Michael Jordan man. It's pro- you know, I bet it has something to do with the sponsors. You know, this is the biggest golf tournament that there sure. is. And if you're paying a guy millions of dollars to have your bag or your play your ball or wear your shoes, you want him out there at least, you know, you want to get some, some return on that, but what's, have we given up on Fowler? Is it time to just kind of turn the page on, on Mr. Fowler? Well, especially this week, he's not playing cause he's not qualified. So yeah, oh, that's we're right. definitely turning the page. Oh, no, we're definitely that. turning the page. It, I it, forgot it sucks about for him. That. Like, I, I don't know what's wrong with Ricky, man. Like I, that tweet I, from Nick Faldo was about as brutal as it gets, man. That's that's if that's not like the look in the mirror moment, and then you have your best friend or one of your best friends, like his comeback is on in Jordan. It just like it has to suck. This has to be one of the shittiest weeks for him, knowing that everybody's there and he isn't. I mean, that would be like the worst FOMO of all time, knowing that your buddies are playing at the Masters and you're not. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's put up or shut up time for Ricky. I mean, he's he's. I, I, it seems like yesterday that he was at Jimmy Austin playing in the U.S. Amateur Pub Links, and you fast forward to now, and I mean, the guy's thirty-two. Uh, he hasn't won since he won the Players in twenty sixteen. I was flying back from a Rivals event to see Caleb Kelly as a senior in high school the day that Ricky won his last tournament. Wow, that's how long it's been. Wow. Okay. No Ricky Fowler, but there are a couple local guys, right? Yeah. OU, OSU guys. Got to start with Victor Hovland, right? Looked up his odds, yeah. 37 to 1. But he he continues to improve. Uh, I've been really impressed with some of the stuff he's done lately. And what was – he was the low-am two years ago? Yeah, he was he was in Butler Cabin as Tiger got the, uh, yeah. the green jacket. He tied so, for 39th. And, you know, it's the crazy thing about it is, is this is – Victor Hovland's first started in the Masters as a professional player because he was an amateur in 2019 and he got screwed out of last year's uh, Masters because of the the COVID rules that they used last year and kind of the weird setup that they had. So yeah, I mean he's playing well. He's he's been playing well. He's one of the better iron players on tour. He's going to gain strokes uh, from tee to green, and it's just going to be a matter of can he get up and down? Can he get up and down in places where? Uh, you know, he's, he's being asked to uh, kind of get out of bad situations. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, I think I'm going to probably end up playing him in one of my five uh, 
five player fantasy thing. So I get, I'd take a chance on him. He has the best chance probably out of the quote unquote local guys. I don't expect much from Tre- uh, Robert Streb, uh, even though he's the pride of Edmund. Uh, and then Abraham answers playing well going into this. Uh, you know, I kind of forgot that I, I forgot until somebody mentioned it yesterday that he was in the final group with DJ last year going into the fall series. So uh, I don't know. I, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what Hovland and what Abe can do. And then Matthew Wolfs, he's spraying the ball all over the place with his driver. It hasn't really been the same for him in 2021. And I think he's just kind of hoping that he gets it back. And I don't, I don't really expect him to, uh, I guess, be in contention this week. It's kind of weird. No, I, like I'm a inside uh, golfer here, but I was talking to Whedon the other day. Mm-hmm. And Whedon was out at Oak Tree National with Matthew Wolf. Said his wrist has been bothering him all year. Yeah. Feels been, good, it's, it's, and he thinks he's going to play well out there. But I don't know. I hope he uh, does. I, yeah. I like Matthew Wolf. I think he's uh, he's a really cool guy, and I think he was closely uh, affiliated with the Fiji's up at uh, OSU. <laughs> But I guess he's my fraternity brother as well, so I'll cheer Loosely for him. Loosely affiliated. I think he was a Fiji, actually. I don't know if he ever went through Rush, but I think he was. Is it me or is Dustin Got Nick Johnson- Heinen on the back, too. Shout out. Uh, is Dustin Johnson, for as good as he is, uh, we just, Gabe mentioned what he, he did in November. It's kind of like the, and I know it was a weird year for the Masters, but it just seems so quiet around him, even though he's so steady, so good. We sit here and talk about uh, DeChambeau and how far he hits it off the tee. It's, it's like Dustin Johnson is like a 330 guy himself. I mean, he absolutely bombs it too. What is it about him that he, he just hasn't generated a whole lot of attention for whatever reason? I think people see him kind of as boring, which I don't. I don't necessarily know how you can hit it as hard as he does, as far as he does, as high as he does, and think it's boring. Uh, you know, I, I guess if you look back to last year and the way that he won it, it was a little bit boring, but it was because he was so dominant. The, I mean, he goes into this week with 11 consecutive rounds under par at Augusta. Uh, he comes in as the defending champion, and you're right. It seems like nobody's talking about the guy. I don't think he's playing nearly as well as he was playing back in November. Uh, but he's still the number one player in the world, and nobody uh, really going into this weekend has talked about him a lot. So my my uh, theory is he's so good because you know whenever you're playing golf, you need to stay calm and relaxed. Sure. He's on the verge of falling asleep. I feel like he could just crumble and pass out on the course at any moment. <laughs> he just kind of like as he's walking around. I've never seen anyone with that type of. It's it's strange watching him out on the course. He truly just has, he has no worries in life. I mean, he's married to Paulina. He has all the money in the world. He's already won the damn thing. Uh, (laughs) He's the number one player in the world. It's just, it's incredible. He has, he has everything that you would ever want. And not to mention, I think he is the leading scorer under par over the last five years at the Masters. I think it's DJ, uh, John Rahm, and then Rory, which, you know, Rory, he can't figure out Thursday. So it's, uh, it it, it is kind of weird though, that he goes into this weekend you know, he's coming off of a year in which he finished 20 under and everybody just, and not to mention it was the soft force. Like he didn't even get rollout on a bunch of shots last year. So it's I uh, I don't know. I would, I think it's going to be one of those things that if we look up on Sunday and he's up by four shots, we're going to go, we're so stupid. We should have seen this coming. Okay. What'd you think of his menu 
for the champions dinner. The pigs in the blanket caught me That's completely off guard. <laughs> uh, hey, filet and sea bass, little surf, little turf. I like it, but overall, what 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 were your thoughts on the menu? I thought it was really good. Uh, you're right. The pigs in a blanket. I've never seen it prepared like that. I guess you should have known that they were going to come up with something a little bit, uh, I guess, more high class for what they want at, uh, at Augusta. I, I can't imagine that they, uh, that they were going to just throw them into uh, the oven at 350 and let them be for 15 <laughs> minutes. But I think that would have been just as good. I am a big steak guy. I think that's probably the way to go. Uh, Caesar salad, obviously, of course. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good menu. I mean, I'm not much of a dessert guy, but I'd eat some cobbler probably after that. Like, I feel like everything that you have at the at the dinner is something that you would want. And I've actually heard, like, this kind of ruined the champion's dinner for me when I found out that most of the guys in attendance don't eat the meal. They eat their own whatever. So it's, like, not required to eat the meal at the champion's dinner. In That's fact, sometimes the champion doesn't even eat the champion's meal. My, uh, huh. Everything is a lie. I know. Everything like it, is a lie. Kind of what? everything for me. I got to tell you, if I won the Masters, I put together a menu, and I, if dinner's served, and some douche down at the other end pulls out a <laughs> lunch pail and brings out his avocado toast or whatever it is that he's going to eat. That's probably like Gary Player. That's probably what he's doing. Like he's drinking a health shake. Oh, that is unbelievable. I can't imagine that. So if you got invited to that dinner, like somehow you were able to go, I think that, Eddie, you would feel like, well, I'm going to be nervous. I'll have a couple of drinks just to take the edge off. So I'm I'm nice and engaging. You'd end up getting drunk and going and making an ass out of yourself. Is that what would happen? Because I feel like that's probably what I would do. I don't think I would make an ass of myself <laughs> as much as there would definitely be a lot of uh... – a lot of drinks happening and I'd be afraid of everything that I was missing when I went outside to smoke a cigarette. That'd probably be the biggest <laughs> thing. Be like, can we like hold all talk? I'll be back in in two minutes. I'm gonna go have a personal. Oh, that's great. Tiger Woods. I know he's not there this year, but would just show up and like, Hey man, let me get a drag of that. <laughs> now, I mean, I, I feel like that has to be happening. I don't know. At a place like that, they probably have ventilated rooms where you can just go in and do whatever you need to. That's true. Respect okay. Who do you have? Man. Uh, winner, give me your winner, give me a dark horse, and give me someone you think that is going to crash and burn. I've kind of talked myself into this as far as a winner. Uh, actually, I'll go backwards. I'll go crash and burn first. I'm just not buying it with Bryson. I don't think that he's going to be able to uh, – I, I guess maybe I'm cheering more for the course to win as opposed to I am cheering for him to crash and burn. Uh, I am kind of interested in what he's going to be able to put together. I am interested in kind of the game plan that he has, what he's going to do on 13. Uh, but I just, I'm not buying it. The guy hasn't finished inside the top 20. Uh, he only has five rounds under par. I just don't see that changing overnight, especially when it's tougher than it has played in recent years and in, in years that he's been playing well when he's going into it. So I'm not, I'm not trusting him. Uh, Dark horse? What, what do you consider a dark horse? Is it like outside of the top 30 in the world golf rankings? Or is it just somebody that maybe nobody's nobody's talking about? Well, we're pretty loose with our definition. Yeah. Here, I, would say, you got, I would personally say someone that nobody's talking kind of flies under the radar, maybe. I mean, 
I know he hasn't touched any clubs, and I know that it's kind of weird. I think he's the number three player in the world, but like I would be a little shocked if John Rahm was in contention just for the fact that he hasn't played. He just had a him and his wife just had a baby uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, I guess that's not really a dark horse, though. I think he's probably one of the betting favorites. A name that maybe nobody has really talked about a whole lot. Uh, you know, Lee Westwood's kind of the the I guess everyone wants to cheer for type of guy. Nine top three finishes at majors without a win. I think that's the most ever. Uh, he's playing well going into this, uh, you know, especially with uh, what he was able to do down in the Florida swing, uh, playing well at the, at the players. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get over the hump. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick's playing well going into this. He hasn't had outside of a top 18 or a tight 18 in his last four or five tournaments, including, I think it was a, I think it was a top nine at the players and a tied 10th at Genesis. Uh, so I like those guys, but the guy that I've kind of talked myself into thinking is going to win the tournament, Patrick Cantley from uh, UCLA. Uh, he oh. got a little bit of a taste of the lead in 2019, Eagled 15. Uh, I just feel like this he's kind of a guy that uh, is, is set up to win a major at some point, and I could see him breaking through this week. Uh, I've heard he's kind of a little bit of a prick, but that's okay. What, what golfers kind of aren't. That's, I was about to say, the bigger the prick, better the golfer, typically. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of that. I, and I'd love to see, like, the big names all competing or at least having a chance, whether it be JT uh, or Spieth. Rory's kind of a sentimental favorite just because I really, really like Roy McIlroy. I think he's a terrific person. And uh, I think any of those guys would be that, quite fun. That story he told about going and talking to tiger. That was pretty, that was pretty damn. I mean, cool. it's just like, that's, he's probably the most cerebral athlete that we have just as far as like, when you answer, when you ask him a question or when he gets asked a question, he's going to give you not just an answer that, you know, kind of flies out of his mouth, but it's something that he's thought about and something that is definitely meaningful to him. And I, you know, that's probably why he just got elected as the uh, president of the players association out on the PGA tour. Uh, my last thing is this. Um, since Tiger's not there, that's really what draws it. On Sunday, if Tiger's in contention, the, the ratings, there's going to be a ton of buzz about the tournament. He's not going to be there. So what's kind of the, the – for the PGA, for, for fans that, that want to be – what's like the dream matchup? on Sunday who are the two guys and then also who's the old man that's going to make a run on Friday to try and get to the weekend there's a lot of and I I don't know why I think it's probably because it just sets up so well for left-handers uh, and I think there's only six in the field this week uh there's a lot of people kind of making maybe a uh, outside run at a Mike Weir as maybe being that guy that is the Larry Mize of last year he's getting up there in age he obviously knows how to play the place uh, it does set up a lot better for left-handers, uh, ironically. And, you know, I, I, I guess it would be kind of cool him or uh, I, I don't know. Larry Mize isn't going to make a run. I mean, Fred Couples is always kind of a fan favorite. Uh, if Boom Boom can make a run on Fridays, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, maybe it is the, the year of the Houston Cougars. So uh, I, I would I would cheer for that if, if that could happen. And then, uh, you know, just as far as storylines, like, Jordan Spieth, if, if there's, you know, Tigers 1A, uh, Jordan Spieth at the Masters is is certainly up there as maybe 1B, just uh, because of the experience that he's had, because of the, the, the type of success that he's had. I think he's all-time, like, minus, he's neg minus 
54 or 54 under. Uh, and that's third all time behind Phil and Tiger. Tiger's the only guy that I believe is triple digits under par lifetime at the Masters. So, uh, you know, the guys had, I think, the 106 birdies uh, in the last five years at Augusta. Uh, just kind of, I guess, the, the icing on the cake for what has been a little bit of a comeback year for uh, for Jordan Spieth. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think if, if he can be a part of it, if Rory can be a part of it, if you can get Bryson somehow to Sunday, and be a part of it, uh, and you know whatever European you want, whether it be uh, Sergio, who's actually playing really well right now, one of the better iron players on tour. Uh, if if he could get into it, he played really well in Austin at the uh, the match play. So uh, any of those guys, if any of those guys are in contention on Sunday, it'll be must watch television. Okay, we've talked about how great the Masters is. We've talked about how excited we are for this year's tournament. What is when you went, what is the worst thing about the Masters? I mean, this is really pathetic, but probably just not having your cell phone so you can take pictures and, like, basically build clout and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm on aiming corner and it's 5 o'clock on, uh, on a Thursday. What are you up to? Uh, that, it just kind of – it does suck, but it's like it takes you back in time. Like, they literally have pay phones, and if you need to use the phone, you go pick up a pay phone – and, you know, you don't have to put money in or anything, but it's all free. It, it's just, it's insane. The other, the other crazy thing, too, is just the amount of money that you can spend inside the pro shops. And they basically have a FedEx that is built into every pro shop. So you don't even have to walk around with it. Like, there's no thinking of, uh, I, just, I don't want to spend this much money because I'm going to have to walk around with all this stuff. They ship it all to you. So that's kind of scary. It, get, it gets kind of dicey in there. They, they turned it in. They basically built like a, a massive warehouse that you just kind of like go through and ship your stuff out, right? It's it's insane. Like it and it it's such a well run operation by everybody involved, all the way down to like the bathrooms where like it's the cleanest place in the entire world. Uh, it, it it really is like you're kind of in awe at the same time of being starstruck by the course itself. Uh, just because it is just so clean and well run, and like I, everybody kind of polices themselves, so it's like you, know, you miss the trash can. Of course, you're going to go pick it up and go throw it away. You don't want to be the guy that is is leading the charge at bringing it Augusta down. So it's just it's in, it's incredible. I I would highly suggest like OU Texas is definitely was awesome. The Rose Bowl was awesome. Uh, you know any of the stops that OU's made along the last you know decade plus have been fantastic, but there's just an aura that you can't really compare to Augusta. It's just, it's insane. And then you leave and you get into the town of Augusta and it's just kind of like a, this isn't a hit by any means, but it's just like, it's like a small Bethany, if you will. You know, it's just like very unassuming. Wow. Huh. Good stuff. Bethany. I think huh? the people of Bethany hate me now. No, <laughs> the, does, great, that, the great people of Bethany That's love not you. a bad thing. I just couldn't think of like a small downtown area. Four like acres. Right Four acres. A city yeah, on like, a hill. It, yeah. No sales tax. It's great. Perfect. <laughs> Eddie, as always, man, it's always fun catching up with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for anyone fun. that didn't know, you're a golf fanatic. Now they know. Yeah. This is a, this is a big week. It's, it's, it's fun. I, it, it kind of snuck up on me this year just because like it was such a quick turnaround from November and, uh, you know, with everything that's going around, going on around here with uh, 
Kruger retiring and Porter Moser coming in. So uh, it's going to be a good week. I, I think the, the next four days I will definitely be quite unplugged from uh, normal life. As you should be. Thanks, man. Good man, Eddie. You bet, guys. Anytime. Always fun talking to our man, Eddie Ratto. Gosh, he, he's so entertaining. He's unbelievable. Uh, he's witty. He's quick. I love it. Got the Eddie's stats got, too, man. He's got the he, stats on golf. I, you know, I knew he he followed it, and uh, I shouldn't just say followed it. Was is deeply invested in it. But look at that. I mean, we're getting pretty far down the uh, the favorites board. And he's pulling out top ten finishes and what they've been working on. Pretty impressive. Talking about where guys are ranked in putting. I was like, look at him go. That's all. Hey. That's what we brought him in for the Masters preview. That's right. Okay, let's get to our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com and let them know we sent you. You should also connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right. Okay, Teddy, who do you have as your winner of the week? I had to go with Shaq. I love Shaq. He's so fun. He's such a good personality. I guess he was just moseying around city of Atlanta and uh, came across a jewelry store. And here's a guy up at the register about to pay for an engagement ring for uh, his soon-to-be wife, I guess. And Shaq's like, I'll pay for that. Just flops down the uh, American Express black card, pays for it, goes on about the rest of his day. Isn't that awesome? The video is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest going and watching it. I have met Shaq once, and it was in the tunnel at a Thunder game. He was there working, doing something. And I talked to him for, I don't know, a minute or two. And he was so damn nice. I was shocked. I was like, I, I didn't, I mean, obviously he had, I, I was no one to him. And he just sat there and talked to me, asked me how I was doing, asked me all these questions. I was like, this guy is fantastic. He just, he seems like a genuinely nice dude. Cool dude to I, hang out with, I bet. I've never seen him in person, but he's. Huge. That's bro. what I was about to say. Huge. So, 
there are there's big guys. There's there's like I mean uh we've had tackle Orlando Brown, six seven, three hundred and fifty pounds. Um, you know, we we've had big guys here. I've seen big NBA players, right? Um Ben Wallace was at Detroit whenever I was there. Uh, hung around him some. He was he was a, a huge dude. But then there's Shaq, who is like a head taller than all of these guys and wider. And it's just he's a different type of huge. There's no one else on the planet like it. It's insane. I met Yao Ming at a Rockets game. That may be the only other guy that's as big. They were like <laughs> they honored him. He was sitting guys. like a couple seats away from us. Uh, my wife's best friend lives in Houston and they've got rockets tickets and I've got this picture with my wife, her friend, Lauren and Yao Ming, who doesn't look very thrilled to take the picture, but it is unbelievable how small they look next to him. And my, my wife's pretty tall. It was, I mean, he's so big, but, but Shaq just the same way. You're just like, Oh my God. Do you feel this like man you're, I mean, you're a, what are you? Are you six, four, six, four, about two forty-five. I bet. Did you feel tiny. like you? Did you feel like you were staring him like right in the chest? Basically, yeah. No, there was there was a slight head tilt, like to talk. <laughs> it was it was one of those where you're like, "Damn, this is what short people feel like." Holy shit! Ah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, but that Shaq thing that was cool, man. I love when super rich people does do stuff like that. That's awesome. That'd be cool to be able to walk around and be like, oh, I'll get that for you. Hey, new car? Yeah, no problem. That's one where, you know, you or I do something like that, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what have we done? Call the, done. Call the credit oh card. Call the credit God. card company. Say that someone stole <laughs> our card. <laughs> Help. Okay, who do you have as your loser of the week? Oh, man. I had to go with this. As soon as I saw this this story reported, breaking news essentially this afternoon, a high-level radio personnel was on uh, with Vital from Baylor, and he dished a bit on what was the motivation going into the game. Gabe Eichert reports that Gonzaga had some champagne that they were shipping in to celebrate the national championship before the game was even played. That's crazy. Yes, this it, that tweet Which did get some traction. You, it it got some way. traction, and I double checked with Mark because we've had Mark Vital on our Big Twelve show a lot, like we several times, and you know him and I have developed a report. And I was like, "Wait, you're telling me they did that?" And he was like, "Yes, I'm telling you." So what he said happened was that Baylor found out some some of the Baylor players found out the guys from Gonzaga had ordered, he said, six cases of Ooh. champagne before the game, right, prior to the game. So he said that they they felt disrespected by that and that Gonzaga was acting like they had already won something and that the talk amongst the Baylor team was – that they wanted to beat their ass for 40 minutes. And <laughs> holy shit, did they ever. I mean, you look at that game, Ted, they were dominant. I mean, the final score, honestly, was closer than the actual game was, in my opinion. 
they just looked like they were moving at a different speed than Gonzaga. And now it, it made a little more sense after Mark Vidal told us that story on my serious XM show. I was like, Oh, so you guys were obviously motivated because it's the national championship game, but you were motivated and pissed off at the other team. Got it. It's amazing. And I'm guessing it was the equipment guys. The equipment guys know everything around a football team, a basketball team. They've got all the dirty little details. And I'm sure whenever they were getting the locker room ready or something, they saw the other equipment guys carrying in champagne or something. You know, I don't know. That's my theory as to how it probably went down. But I think that's awesome. The other thing, um, you know, I've, I've got Gonzaga as the loser. I would, I, I want to amend or possibly amend uh, my winner as Scott Drew if he just developed this out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> which is possible. <laughs> I, I was going to ask Vital, but I was like, you know what? He just Did gave you ever us see a gr- the champagne. <laughs> I, this is how you know I'm getting experienced in radio, Daddy. He said it, and I was like, wait, you're telling me that happened? He's like, yeah, bro, it happened. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to ask him any more questions about it because this is a great audio clip that we can use. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask him who told him. I'm not going to ask him if he ever saw the champagne. Like, was it a Gonzaga player that said something to you guys? Like, give me some more details. I was like, nope, I'm not going any deeper. I'm, I'm rolling with what the man said. Can you imagine if Scott Drew like made this up to get the players fired up? Like they're already celebrating. They already got champagne over there waiting and they go out there, they're pissed and they're talking all of this trash. Cause he said that they were talking like every TV timeout, everything that they were, they were all over him. He said Baylor, they like were even using it as like motivation during their huddles, like during timeouts, like right. they, they were not pleased about the whole champagne situation. Can you imagine, like, if if it was all like a story that was cooked up just to get the Baylor guys fired up, and out there on the floor, the Gonzaga guys are like, "Did you order champagne? Like, what the hell are no, they talking no. about?" But that's that's why <laughs> that's why the Gonzaga guys couldn't get anything going offensively. They're just like all so confused. It's why like do champagne? they keep talking about champagne? <laughs> like, what? What is, is that? The, like a news like. Some type of term that I don't know. It's, it must be a South thing, a Texas thing. Yeah. No, I thought that was great, but dude, Baylor. I mean, legit. Uh, they they just prevented Gonzaga from getting anything easy mm-hmm. offensively, and I, I compared it to this when I was watching the game with my wife, Ted. I turned to her and I was like, "Do you notice how Gonzaga's they're they're never getting downhill?" Uh, when Billy Donovan was the Thunder coach, he always talked about getting downhill, playing with force, right? And it was like everything was going sideways for Gonzaga. They just couldn't get downhill at all because Baylor was just physically stronger than them and very pissed off, apparently. But it reminded me of a team trying to run zone schemes and not being able to dent the line of scrimmage at all. Yeah. It all just washes sideways. It goes for a gain of a half yard, and the running back runs out of bounds. That's what it felt like. They could never get anything forceful going offensively. It just kept getting strung out, strung out. And then Baylor shot the ball really well, but it it 
it's not a surprise. They're the best three-point shooting team in the country. And yeah, they got like five guys that shoot 45%. Shocker. No, but I, I agree. I, I saw someone, I don't remember who it was, but they said that, you know, because there was all this talk about, well, maybe Gonzaga wasn't as good as we thought, which is so stupid. I hate that. Uh, they're has to they're be great. A- no one was beating Baylor right. on Monday night. They were- someone said that Gonzaga isn't choking. They're getting choked. I, that, like Baylor, it was, it was their night. That's, that's intense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it was. They, they, they were aggressive. I mean, when, when Gonzaga cut it to like 13, it's like, okay, hey, <laughs> you know, they may be in this thing. It's 13 points with like, I don't know, six or seven minutes to go, and Baylor's showing no signs of slowing down. That's whenever you know that, that they're playing at an unbelievable level. So, dude, kudos to Scott Drew. The, what he's done with that program is it's, it's amazing. It was really fun to watch. They just run that simple pick and roll action, get the mismatch they wanted. And then whether it was Davion Mitchell or Jared Butler or Macy Oteague, they were just like, all right, here we go. Here's the bag of tricks. Yeah. Up, sidestep, step back. And they were just, Oh, I'll blow by it. It was, it was fun to watch, man. That kind of an NBA feel when it, when it came to how they attacked them offensively. Well, and then, you know, typically you would, you would check out of a game like that. But because of how good Gonzaga can score, even though it, it wasn't going to be their night and it felt that way, but there was always the hope of, well, hey, this number one offense in the country, if they catch a, a little run here, get some turnovers, have a couple of things happen, hit some big buckets, it, it wouldn't take a whole lot for them to get right back in this thing and have a chance, you know, maybe to get it to within – five or seven with, with two minutes to go and, and see what happens. But man, it's Baylor would not allow that. Yeah. And Gonzaga was a fantastic team. That was a really, really impressive season that they should be proud of, but they got a thorough, thorough ass kicking in that game. It's just, I mean, it's what happened. Okay give you my winners and losers of the week. But first, Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with the amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in April from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $100,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's baskets and cash promotion. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino. Simply the one and send your kids, Teddy, to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, for my winner of the week, 
Thought about going with Sam Darnold, right? Gets a fresh start there in Carolina with the Panthers. Panthers really didn't have to give up that much for him, right? A couple picks. And the Panthers' social media team is already killing it for him. If you haven't seen those videos, go check them out. I, I think Sam Darnold's going to be – I think he's going to be good there. I think he's a good quarterback. Sam Darnold with Matt Rule. And I know everyone's talking about Joe Brady. And Joe Brady is a fantastic coordinator, right? I, I get that. But him being around someone like Matt Rule is going to do him so much good. I, I got to interview Matt all the time when he was at Baylor, he has an infectious personality. I, I would say it's, it's constantly like keeping people accountable while building them up. It's, it, it's fantastic. I think it's going to be great for his career. Uh, I really do. Uh, I also thought about going with Tom Brady as if this guy didn't have enough stuff going well for him. He's launching an NFT non-fungible token for anyone not paying attention platform that will help launch a bunch of, uh, it will help a bunch of famous people develop digital collectibles with like creators. I'm sure it'll make those people a ton of money. Yeah. More money. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure Tom Brady's going to make a killing off that, but my winner of the week, Porter Moser. Ted, you talk about winning a press conference, man said all the right things. Did it with some serious energy, made it clear that he wants to enhance Oklahoma basketball and that that starts with enhancing the roster. And he's certainly embracing the challenge of getting students to come to the games. He wants to fill the Lloyd Noble Center. And hey, not just at home on the road, too. He's talking about renting out the booze cruise bus on the way to uh, Stillwater, wherever we're. I love that. He was like, I'm going to have to get more buses. I'm going to have to get more buses. I did it Loyola, but there's more students here. I mean, I I loved this guy's energy. I loved what he was saying. It it sounds like he's going to do whatever it takes to get students out, to get the fan base out. He mentioned some of the stuff he said about the players. I I really liked. He said he wants two-way players. Well, at I'm not sure I've ever heard a coach just come out and say that because like two-way player is now this term, right? He talked about it, but he's like, yeah, I want two-way players. I want all my guys to be two-way players. He he talked about how defense creates offense and how they can get out and run. I think that had a lot of people excited. Well, what I think is interesting is any question about the defense and how good his Loyola teams were defensively, he pushes back instantly. He doesn't want to be known as a defensive team. That doesn't mean that he's not going to teach defense and emphasize defense, but he knows that recruiting is difficult for a team that is known as just a defensive team, right? Because guys want to go score the basketball. That's what they want to do. So he always pushes back on that instantly, and I think it's smart. He doesn't want his teams branded as defensive teams. I, right. I totally get what he's saying. That's why he's saying two-way players. That's what you Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, these are two-way players. That's what he's he wants. So yeah. I, I love it. I I didn't hear it much of anything that I wasn't excited about. I mean, he he mentioned one thing I love that he said. He mentioned that he's going to hold his players accountable. He was like, Hey, 
I know people talk about this generation of kids in a certain way. It's like, you can coach them hard. You can hold them accountable. But also, he said, I got to establish trust with them. I got to make sure that they know I love them. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. He's going to tell me he loves them. He's going to earn their trust. And he's going to hold them accountable. (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah, brother. But it it was impressive. I'm not sure a press conference can go any better than that one did. And also, and this may ruin him for some people, because once you see it, you you can't unsee it. He's got a little bit of a Josh Brolin, like Thanos look in the face. Yeah, he does. Ah, I heard someone say that he looks like Brent Venables. And I think it's just, it's kind of the shape of the forehead, I guess. I don't know, but, uh, He's got a he's got a he's got a unique look to him. But uh, here's the thing: it's gonna be it's gonna be way different than it was with Long Kruger. Not to say that that's a like Long Kruger was doing it wrong. It's just gonna be different. You know, he, he's just gonna have a different demeanor. There's gonna be a, like a little bit different. You know, sidelines gonna be different. I kind of just want to get drunk with him. Is that weird? <laughs> like it, he puts out, I, and I, I have no idea. I, I assume he's Catholic with all those kids he's got. He's from Chicago. I'm just assuming things here, but he seems like he'd be a good time. I'm just saying, I'm, seltzer guy, you think or no? So we'll we'll make him one. That's for sure. <laughs> but I just, I, I was really impressed. I was really impressed. So I was. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be interesting to see how he recruits. He's got a he's got a, a quick battle here to set this roster up. Got a bunch of guys yeah. transferring out. Um, you know, he, he's going to have to. He's got a little bit different scheme or style, I guess I should say. Going to have to get a big guy in, true big guy. Uh, you know, set this roster up. He's going to he's going to be a bumpy road early, but I'm excited to see what happens. He's, he's got he, so far, I guess he couldn't verify anything, but it sounds to me like he's put together a really good staff. Yeah. I kind of love the mystery is like, I'm telling you, I can't tell you, but I'm telling you, it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all excited for the Porter Moser era. I will say this sound bites are going to be better than Lon. My man oh, yeah. Lon was great. He was fantastic. He was a straight shooter. A little short with the answers. Not always the most energetic guy. It seems like Moser is going to be, uh, he's going to be fun to cover. That's for sure. Okay, my loser of the week. Thought about going with Brandon Marshall, uh, the <laughs> former NFL wide receiver. I've said this multiple times this episode, but if you haven't seen the video of him talking about NBA contracts, please go find it. Now, I respect the man's passion, Teddy. I really do. I- I'm all for that. You know, you need to stand up for what you believe in. But it was pretty obvious he just didn't know how NBA contracts work. What did he say? He was like, only four guys on the NBA roster have guaranteed contracts. And I was like, that's just, that's no. that's not correct. Actually, what is it? Every single person in the NBA except for like. Even the 10-day contracts are guaranteed. I think now, there's they expire only like, after 10 days, but they're guaranteed. Right. I think there's only like. 30 guys that are on non-guaranteed deals, right? Yeah. And then after a a certain point, yeah, at a certain point in time, they become guaranteed. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he, he was a little off. 
I mean, he, but he was passionate. He was passionate. We all have that friend, that's right? The, that's Completely critical... wrong, but just yells it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just like, you know, it's wrong. And you're just like, oh, just, I'm not going to say anything. If you don't have just... that friend, you are that guy, right? Yeah. If, if you can't pinpoint the friend, then it's you. I don't have one of those in my friend group. It's you. <laughs> but my loser of the week, and this is kind of, you know, a heavy subject, but I, I feel like we got to talk about it at this point. I mean, Deshaun Watson, right? And we're all about innocent until proven guilty. And I always like to wait for all the facts to come out before passing judgment on someone. But dang, man, I mean, it's up to 22 civil lawsuits against him. Two of the women spoke publicly this week. And if you saw those comments or saw those videos, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was intense, emotional, I mean, traumatic stuff. And the NFL has now launched an investigation to go along with the Houston Police Department's investigation. Nike suspended their endorsement deal with Deshaun Watson. Beats by Dre has reportedly ended its sponsorship with him. I mean, this is a guy that had a squeaky clean reputation, you know, doing great stuff there in the community in Houston, but... Ted, man, companies appear to not be giving him the benefit of the doubt anymore. And this this thing is getting, I mean, it's getting to a really weird level. It's just getting really weird to see an athlete that famous of his caliber. I mean, it was only a couple months ago where we're all defending him when he's trying to force his way out of Houston, right? And now... I don't know if we'll ever be able to look at Deshaun Watson the same. I, I, that's, that's just the reality of it, right? I don't know that if we're ever going to be able to look at Deshaun Watson not in an orange jumpsuit, honestly. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, his I mean, he worries, may not play football again. No, yeah, 100%. His worries went from where am I going to, what team am I going to play for next year to, where am I ever going to play again? And I got to tell you, you know, I'm with you. Innocent till proven guilty. We've got to wait on all the facts. I don't know all the facts, but all I can tell you is what I see. This is, this would be quite the conspiracy of a very large group of people um, with similar stories from a bunch of different places coming after a guy. And that's not impossible. But he had 18 women masseuses come to his defense. And I got to tell you, that did not make anything look any better. Who has 50 masseuses? All women. I can tell you right now that this is not about getting a sports massage. It's not. Okay, all the evidence is there. I I can see right now that this was not about getting a sports massage and taking care of his body. We know what this is. Now, I can't say that he assaulted these women. I don't know, but I can tell you that there's something nefarious. It's not normal to and like when you're in the NFL, 
at least this is how it was for a lot of the guys, especially the star players that I play with. Like they have their masseuse. Like yeah. they're one or two people. Like the stars like travel their masseuse. They fly them. You're right. They fly them into town to massage them like before games or we'll even fly them to the city where they're playing road games, like 50 masseuse. Like it makes no sense. And that's why this stuff keeps coming out. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like what, what was this guy thinking? Like you, you had the, you had the world in the palm of your hand. If you're Deshaun Watson and you were the guy, in the city of Houston and Houston's got a lot of people. They got a lot of beautiful women. I just, it's one of the, it's turned into this situation where, and this happens in life, but I'm just like, what was he thinking? Like how, like why? And I I don't know, man, but it just, it's starting to really add up and, and it's just, it's weird. I don't know what else to say. It's it's weird. Once again, innocent until proven guilty. That's how this country works. But you're right, man. This is uh, this is bizarre. Hey, what's his What's his lawyer's name? It's like uh, I think Busby's the one like going after him, right? Going after him. His guy, I think, at least used to be in Oklahoma City or Dallas. He's he's got a really good lawyer. Deshaun Watson does. Um, he so, needs it. That yeah, lawyer's he does. Now, again, I, I we can't say as to what happened in, in in all of these cases. I have no idea. Don't don't know any of the evidence. All we know is the accusations, but I'll just tell you right now that the the appearance of the thing it, it does not look good for him. Um, we'll see what the evidence says though, man. You know, people can be talked into things if they feel like there's a big payday on the other end you know, in his defense a little bit and not to say that that's what's going on, but you know, you kind of put yourself in this situation whenever let's be honest, he was using this massage thing for hookups is what it was, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it could come back to bite him in a, in a big way. I mean, Nike, they, I guess they didn't drop him, but suspended it sounds like beats by dre dropped him he's got a bunch of other sponsors Man. if if these if these accusations are true and you know these lawsuits i don't know what the if it's found and there's the the evidence against him is strong and they've got a great case against him 22 lawsuits man we're talking He's not going to have any money left. Yeah. Man, it's just weird. It's weird. I feel, it's like this giant story that, you know, people are kind of walking on eggshells around because, you know, you, you want to know all the facts and he's got such a great reputation. But now it, it, it's to the point where you just, I mean, I feel like people got to start talking about it a little more. I don't know. I, I really didn't want to go down that road, but I, I just thought it was important to talk about Ted. Well, okay. Here's what's crazy is, He's a superstar. Yeah. Superstar. That's why it's like, this is, I mean. You remember the Kobe thing? I was in college whenever the Kobe thing was happening. And I I, I don't remember everything about it, but that was like a, a, a hotel room. 
I, it's just, this is 22 of Kobe's thing, you it's, know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's crazy. Okay. Yep. Episode 101 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Enjoy the Masters, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.